Welcome to The Complete Musician, creativity at its core, exploring innovative musical ideas, thoughts, and techniques for the modern musician in today's society, with your hosts, James Nagus and Drew Phillips. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Complete Musician Podcast. I'm Drew, and this is a continuation of this teaching mini-series that I'm doing. While James is not here, off on his whirlwind adventure, he will be back soon. But in this time that I have without him, I'm just going to talk about some things, again, that have been on my mind since I've been teaching this music ed class this semester, uh, and how I've been observing things in my own teaching. Uh, the past two episodes have been about planning and about communication in private lessons, and this one is about instruction. The instruction is the bulk of your lesson because it's the actual action and the actual description of what you're going to do. It's important that your instruction be clear and concise following the communication things that we've already talked about and that it's all planned. And you have to make sure that your instruction uh, includes your learning objectives and that it leads to your learning objectives. So it's got to be planned for the student's musical development in mind and all of the activities you have. Uh, instruction also includes content knowledge. Your content knowledge has to be accurate. This is really tough if you're teaching an instrument that's not your primary. So my music ed students in my class had to teach their first private teaching episode. They had to teach in their second one. They had to teach on their secondary instruments. So content knowledge was really important that they know how to teach accurately on whatever they're teaching. And that can be, again, really tough if you don't know. And that's what our methods classes are for in music ed that we go to our string methods classes and our brass and our woodwind and our percussion and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we go to those so that we learn the basics of how to teach the instruments, about what goes into it, and we have to make sure that knowledge is really accurate, knowing that it differs among the different instruments, right? All the woodwinds are not the same. We know that flutes and clarinets do not produce sound the same, so you have to know how to do that. And not only does your instruction include content knowledge about the instrument, it includes content knowledge with troubleshooting on the instrument. <laughs> so you have to know when something goes wrong, why is it going wrong, and how in the world do I fix it? My wife, as a middle school band and orchestra director, she loved to tell me that when, uh, when she was teaching her kids, she used to tell them that they're all detectives and that it's... Uh, a game of finding the solution for every given problem. And we all know that every student is different, so every problem is going to be different or every issue is going to be worked on in a different way. And we have to be detectives to figure that out. So make sure when you're teaching that, like I said, your content knowledge about what you're teaching is important. That's got to be there. Also content knowledge about demonstration of information that you need to fix is important. Uh, you don't want to tell a flute player who's having trouble put, who's having trouble getting a sound out. You don't want to have them lower the flute too much and not have their lip covering the tone hole. That is bad information because then they still won't get a sound out. <laughs> um, you don't want to tell a clarinet player who can't get a sound out with their fingers covering the holes. You don't want to tell them to play on the very tips of their fingers because they won't cover the holes and they won't get a sound out. That's inaccurate information. So. 
all the information, of course, has to be accurate based on content knowledge and fixing whatever you're trying to fix. You have to make sure in your instruction that your content taught is appropriate to your student's skill level. We've already talked about that in the planning stage, but of course your instruction has to also be accurate and uh, comprehensible by your student. For example, you're only going to work with upper level students on more vague kind of musical terms, uh, describing tone color and sound concept and all that kind of stuff. With your young beginning students, lots of specific and action statements with verbs that they can understand uh, with precise language is going to be more helpful for them to, for producing the things that you want to work on with them. Uh, your pacing of your activities uh, have to be uh, your pacing has to be uh, understandable and uh, it has to go along at an organic pace so that your student can be successful in pursuit of your objective. Um, that goes along with sequencing that we're going to talk about later. Uh, making sure that in your instruction that you use your relevant resources. Teachers have a lot of different tools and tricks in their bags to use. Uh, for example, I have things like burps that I can put on my students' lead pipes to help them blow. Um, there are also those little breathing things with the ball that goes up and down. I can't remember what they're called, but uh, there's those things that can help with inhaling and exhaling and keeping a constant uh, airstream. There's the breathing bags that people have used. Whatever resources you find useful, make sure you have that and you know how to use it if you want to use that in your instruction. Uh, your instructional strategies have to be effective. I think that's one of the hardest things in instruction is that not only do you have to describe your content well uh, and accurately and tell the student what to do, but what you have to instruct them in and the way you instruct them has got to be accurate. So three helpful things I found, and this relates mostly to um, mostly to younger kids, but can definitely be used with older students as well. So there are three strategies I found that really help in private lessons. One of them is modeling. There is really nothing more helpful for a student than to hear their teacher really successfully demonstrate a particular skill or concept uh, in their presence. <laughs> That's really important. Think about your private lessons with your teacher and when they demonstrate for you. Or think about when you hear an amazing performer play your favorite concerto or whatever. Um, they didn't tell you anything about how they accomplished that, you know, their technical or musical capacity or demonstration because they showed it. But did you not feel like you learned something? I know when I hear an inspiring performance, I want to go practice immediately because I want to recreate what I just heard. Not because the performer told me anything, but it's because they showed what to do. Modeling is super, super important. Um, unfortunately, the really ugly truth <laughs> is that there are, of course, there are general necessities to accomplishing certain goals on every instrument, like uh, winds have to have open vowel sounds and uh, strings have to have proper bow distribution and weight and good posture and general things that everyone needs to use to make good sounds and alleviate the unnatural injury or stress on the body. However, the ugly truth is that there are things that we can express and demonstrate and describe, but the student may never do it that way because some of music is a figure it out yourself process. <laughs> 
what may work for us may never work for our students and vice versa. And that's why as you know, you're developing as a master teacher and pedagogue, we take in advice and help from everywhere so that one day when we teach our student and our first strategy doesn't work, we pull from our tool belt of knowing like a hundred other ways to describe and accomplish the thing so the student has more to try and work with. And one of the worst things you can do as a teacher is claim, I know the only way to do things and I will never change. That is not adaptable, that's not reactive, and it will ultimately stifle your teaching career because you will stop learning. And as teachers, we are always learning as well as teaching. So modeling for your students is really important because they can hear what you want them to do and then you can be a detective and figure out exactly how to make the student do that or how to get them on that goal. Another strategy that we use a lot in private lessons is repetition. Uh, it's not often that I have a student play something just once and then don't hear it again, right? <laughs> we, we repeat things several times because there's things to work on and repetition is important. Uh, and it has several uses, right? Sometimes the thing that's repeating just needs a second chance, especially if it's a new skill or a concept or something you haven't heard before. That's okay. Sometimes you just need to do it again. Sometimes it's uh, solidifying a new concept and it needs to be done correctly, but several times in a row. Repetition in that way is good because it's building the fundamental of being able to do the thing without thinking and without focusing on it so you can focus on other things. That's an important use of repetition. Um, sometimes after playing through a section or phrase, there are a lot of things that are happening that a student plays and your mind is racing and you need another pass through to prioritize what to address first. <laughs> I know that's happened to me. Sometimes a student plays something for me and there are just a lot of things that need to happen and it's hard to remember what you're going to focus on first. So having them repeat it again, that's totally fine for doing that. Um, sometimes in an ensemble situation, uh, you're working, you need to work with a student and fix their thing and you got to engage the class <laughs> as you're fixing something. So you make them do it again. At least that's an ensemble situation. And sometimes the student is driving you crazy and they're talking way too much and so you make them play to be quiet <laughs> and that is also usable although you just don't want to do it all the time because eventually you'll have to instruct and manage and discipline <laughs> but that is another use of repetition i don't find we use that much in private lessons because they're there to learn most of the time but especially with the students who you know aren't taking private lessons to get better and may just be taking because maybe their parents are making them take that they want to talk about life all the time sometimes you just need them to play and keep playing just to be quiet <laughs> just so that they can get more time with instrument on their face anyway don't be scared of repetition uh it doesn't hurt the students feelings to do things over and over as long as you have a plan to transfer what they're doing to another activity or you give them why it's important so they can see how it fits into a larger puzzle if they keep repeating things but you don't say why they're repeating then it feels like a huge waste of time and they get bored and then they think you don't know what you're talking about and then ultimately music will have and practice and private lessons will have a negative connotation not at all what you want and the last strategy i found that's really useful is improvisation uh, i know jeff girl would love talking about this and he talks about it all the time and loves talking about it and it's very useful um, but thinking about it in a private lesson context 
uh, like a student just accomplished a new skill or a concept or is working on something new. So what are your options for using it? Um, like, let's say a student just learned how to play a new note, uh, how to expand their range in some way. How can you practice with that? How can you instruct with that? Um, you can, uh, what are some activities you can do? You can put it in context, in context of like some music they're playing. You can play some new literature with a skill, like sight read with it to see if they really solidified it. Or you can improvise and make up an exercise with it. Remember, that's improvisation. Um, so what about improvising an activity that allows the students to test the waters with this new skill or concept, but in a way that doesn't feel like they're failing at written music? Right? That's the scariest thing. Written music has this extremely clear right and wrong ratio. Like that note was right or wrong or that rhythm was right or wrong. That's really intimidating and really disheartening for young students to have such a definite good and bad relationship to music right when they learn something new. It's even disheartening to older students. Um, for example, if they're expanding their range and suddenly like a horn player suddenly learns, oh, look, I can play down to pedal, you know, whatever. Um, then if they can't accomplish it in context, that's very disheartening because that's the actual way they'll need to do it in terms of literature, but they can't do it right now. So what we do is we make up things to, um, to, to practice this that's not exactly in context, but can help them rehearse it. For example, with horn specifically, let's say that a student is working on Strauss's Nocturno. And the last note of, of that, we all know, is that pedal A flat, which is the lowest note in the entire piece. And it's piano, and it comes after you, uh, after you played the entire piece, and you're tired, and you have to hit this pedal A flat. And let's say a student just learned how to play pedal A flat, or can finally get it to speak, and they can't get it to speak in the piece. What are we going to do? Are we just going to rep that over and over? No. Let's make up a way to get it to actually work. Let's practice scales down there. Let's practice going uh, down um, in arpeggios. Let's practice putting notes in between the last note before they have to play the pedal A flat. Let's practice slurring down to it. Let's practice glissing down to it. Let's practice all sorts of ways that aren't in context until it's more comfortable and then put it back in context. Hopefully that makes sense um, when it comes to instruction. Th these are all things that go into the instructional methods. Remembering that your procedures for all of your activities that went into the things that I said, they have to be outlined. And this goes into lesson plan making. The more detailed your lesson plans are, the by writing it down, the better they'll be when you actually do them because you've thought about it. You've written them and it transfers more from you actually producing the words to you saying the words. Instead of just thinking, oh, I'm going to do this, you've written it now. That's really important in instruction, making sure that all your procedures are laid out. I find it helpful to talk through things, at least that, that helps me. Um, when I'm thinking about instructing and seeing if my words are also correct and all of my objectives are clear and all of my content knowledge is accurate. Anyway, those are some instructional strategies that I've found uh, are important in private lessons. If you uh, instruct private lessons and you have thought about your instructions, maybe think about how you're relaying that stuff. Obviously, your content knowledge is probably accurate, but think about 
what kind of instructional strategies you're using. Again, those three that I said, modeling and repetition and improvising, those are just some ones that I use, but I would love to hear yours. So if you have heard something, again, that's inspired you or you want to inspire me and let me know what you do, please let me know. Uh, you can contact me at our email at coremotohorn at gmail.com or you can do my personal email at aphillips527 at gmail.com. This teaching podcast or these little ones that I'm doing are just about some ideas that I found helpful and I'm being introspective about in my own teaching. And I'd love to learn from you and I'd love to hear about your strategies that you use in private teaching or to know if you uh, have gotten inspired by what I've said. So I am no master teacher and I love to learn from my colleagues. Uh, like us on Facebook. Um, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review if you loved or hated this. Please get in contact with you. Uh, excuse me, with us. We love to hear and communicate with you. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll be back with more content soon. Thanks. <laughs>